podcast for giftware and specialty food artisans who want to work smarter, earn more, and live better. Hosted by Stefa Normantis. Today, I have Gabrielle of Mad Gabs with me. She is a seasoned smart business owner who generously shares her expertise and really lives her values. She's got a fun backstory, which I'm glad to share. And I really appreciate her taking the time today. I know you'll learn something. She is a wealth of expertise. So let me tell you a little bit about her backstory. So how do monkeys, a failed math class and resistance to conformity create a business? It's crazy, but that's exactly how it happened. Gabrielle Melcondia began making lip balm while studying anthropology at UMass Amherst in 1991, searching unsuccessfully for a lip balm that wasn't greasy or waxy, but was made with natural ingredients. She created her own formula using beeswax from a neighbor and gave to friends and family who couldn't get enough. They convinced her to start selling in stores locally, and Mad Gabs was born. What began as a kitchen-based hobby and selling out of the back of her car became a small business and ultimately Gabriella's life's work. Mad Gab celebrated 28 years in business in 2018. Woohoo! And currently works, that's quite an accomplishment, and works with retailers across the U.S. like L.L. Bean, Wegmans, Cracker Barrel, Whole Foods Market, and countless amazing independent stores. Mad Gab's products have appeared on QVC, that's saying something, and in a variety of magazines, including Vogue, Al 17, and Business Week. When not playing maestro of Mad Gab's, Gabrielle enjoys life with her two sons, Silas and Jasper, traveling, writing, cooking, and working with startup companies and budding entrepreneurs. She's got a wealth of expertise to share, so let's jump in and welcome Gab. Thank you. Thank you, Steph. I'm so excited to be here. Terrific. So let's jump in. Tell me a little bit about yourself and where your business is at right now. Well, we moved. We were were physically located in Yarmouth, which is great. Uh, We're right across the street from my house in an old, it was a building built in the 50s. It was actually a dog kennel when it was built. It had a lantern factory in it for about 40 years. So Mm. we've made a nice little home in Yarmouth after spending about 18 years in the uh, Dana Warp Mill in Westbrook. Mm -hmm. And we are small but mighty, and we, I, you know, we do our best to to keep things as lean as possible. We're basically a mom squad, is how I like to describe us. There's um, four out of five of us are, are moms, and we, you know, we work around everybody's kids and and mm-hmm. you know, snow days and sick days and things like that. But we work from here in our little nucleus of Yarmouth, and we ship our products around the country. And been working on our strategy the last few years to figure out how to grow from you know where we started and grew into and then sort of looking into the future. So it's been a really exciting last couple of few years and just learning volume all the time, which to me is always the measure of, of you know, sustainability. If I can keep learning and keep it growing, then, you know, it's great for us. So, you yeah. know, uh, Gabrielle, I will say that's one thing that I have always admired about you. You are always evolving. Whenever I see you, you have changed something up, whether it's your packaging, whether it's your approach. So that constant evolution, I really admire. Tell me how you, how you chose your business name and what products are you currently selling? Well, you know, it's funny. I did a talk last week um, up in Midcoast, Maine, and went through the history of the company through a brand perspective. Mm-hmm. And I obviously answered that question, but I never, I haven't learned more about my brand than I had in preparing for that talk. And the funny thing is I picked that the company name 
in a 10 foot space between my car and the entrance to the designer's workshop. because <laughs> I didn't have a name. I needed a sticker. I was doing this as a project. I thought I was going to make one run of stickers and that would be the end of it. I never thought it would, you know, keep mm-hmm. going indefinitely like this. So I needed something that would fit on a circle that was three quarters of an inches in diameter. So it was literally by default. And I was 19. So of course it had to have my name in it. So it was very much a happy accident that it became Mad Gabs. And then um, Lip Lube was just kind of a play on Lip Balm. And so mm-hmm. our original product was Lip Lube. But, you know, Mad Gabs became sort of synonymous with Lip Balm. Mm-hmm. We make, you know, we're known for our Lip Balm. The Moose Mooch kind of put us on the map as a as a, a main brand. I mean, think Moose and Blueberry really mm-hmm. say main, um, no matter where you are. So today... We have we have a couple identities, and that's something that we're working on. Um, we have our menagerie line, which is our moose and bears and all our whimsical animals, and those we sell traditionally in the gift industry um, around the country to resorts, you know, zoos, aquariums, mm-hmm. wildlife parks, national parks, state parks, that kind of thing. And also, we do sell those in the the conventional market as well, but on a lower, on a different level, mm-hmm. mostly at the holidays. And then we created an MG line, which is. Um, it's sort of our, our grown up line. It's, it's for women and girls. It's a little more, I don't even want to say sophisticated. It's just, it's pretty. It's a little more grown up. Mm-hmm. And that's the line that we sell in the Hannaford stores. They were the first retailer to put it on the shelves and we're right next to Bird's Bees. And it's really just stands out because it's beautiful. It's pretty. It's a little playful. Mm-hmm. And we do body bombs and lip butters. And so those two brands have become the majority of what we sell. And we've just recently launched products that are a little more guy oriented or unisex. Mm-hmm. We have a cracked hands line. That's going into hardware and a fish sticks, which is a, a version of our SPF 30, which is a, a basically a big crayon for your face <laughs> uh, sunscreen that doesn't drip in the eyes. It doesn't rub, rub off. And we have a couple different iterations, but the fish sticks and the tagline is one of my favorite little lines. The tagline for fish sticks is fry your fish, not your face. <laughs> and um, that was that one's been good. landing on stores all over. It, it just makes people laugh. Yeah. And we did just add a lobster. Uh, we have a no more lobster sun stick as well. So we try to, mm-hmm. we try to, you know, take what we have and make it apply to as many places as we can. Cause in terms of like inventory, you want to take something and make it, a, make the most use out mm-hmm. of it, right? It's like taking a chicken and when you buy a chicken, you serve it and then you make stock with it and then you make chicken salad with it. Or, you know, mm-hmm. you can make three meals out of a whole chicken. And I look at inventory the same way. If we can take something and give it different identities and put those products into different markets, how beautiful is that? For sure. So smart. How did you know that going beyond the three and a half inch sticker to sustaining a business that wasn't just a project? How did you know you had hit that milestone or threshold? You know, Stefa, it's not, it's, it's a moving target. I don't know that there was ever a moment when I was like, yes, this is working. Because I think one of the trickiest parts about having your own gig, whether it's art or craft or manufacturing is you, you don't ever know. You mm-hmm. have to constantly be measuring if you're reaching your goals with what you're doing. And I did it as a hobby for about five years. I had amazing people reach out to me and say, you know, you seem like you have a lot of energy and good products, but not a lot of business knowledge. So let's <laughs> see if we can educate you. So I went into an incubator for a year and the incubator was great. And maybe one of the most exciting affirmations was after I left the incubator and I moved to Maine and I joined the Maine Made Marketing Program and I tried out with a couple hundred manufacturers in a sort of fake trade show because mm-hmm. QVC was coming to me yeah. and we tried out. And the week after I got a PO from QVC that was for more than I'd sold the whole prior year. Wow! And I thought, oh, okay, I can't believe this. So I, I poured each one, one by one by one. <gasps> I think it was like 19,000 lip balms. Mm-hmm. 
And they said, if you sell one, you have to take the rest back. This is a guaranteed sale. And I said, if you put my big mouth on TV, I will do my darndest and sell these. Yeah. And we did. And then after that, they sold, they said, come back to QVC and we'll put you on the air. So I went back a few more times mm -hmm. and I saw the power of TV mm -hmm. and, you know, media. And I saw how that could translate into sales. So that was, and I got my first loan because of yeah. that PO because I needed inventory. So there was a huge learning and affirmation in that big fish that we landed. Mm -hmm. And then with the income from that, we launched the Shea Butter Bomb, which we still have. It was called Elephant Lube when, when we started it 20 years mm -hmm. ago. And the first, I sent out, uh, you know, envelopes to New York editors and Vogue responded and tw 37 magazines put the products in within six months. So more affirmation, yeah. like keep going. So I feel like it's kind of a carrot that dangles, you know, no matter how big or little the success is, when you get an affirmation in the direction towards which you're going, you're like, okay, I can do this, <laughs> you know, and then there's days that are full of rejection and failure and you think, what am I doing? So it's sort of tempering that voice inside of, you know, everything's great. It's going to be great forever mm -hmm. versus everything's horrible. I'm a failure and finding a middle ground that is sustainable. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers no, your question, that, but I think that definitely, yeah, that definitely gives okay. some great background. Or okay. are you doing both wholesale and retail at this point? Most of what we do is wholesale. We're about 95, 96% wholesale. Mm -hmm. We don't have a retail store and our website is really sort of a courtesy. I mean, most people don't want to pay for shipping on a lip mm -hmm. balm. Most people buy lip balms sort of impulsively, mm -hmm. but we are going to do more retail, you know, with sort of the Amazon evolution of Amazon into the retail landscape, I think at some point that's going to become mm -hmm. necessary for what we sure. do um, because the retail stores are getting affected mm -hmm. by it. So retail is going to be something we're going to have to learn in a new space mm -hmm. for sure, but it's not been a big part of what we do. Always learning. Uh, what are you most proud yeah. of in the business, Gabrielle? Oh, that's a, such a good question. What am I most proud of? I think, I, I mean, I'm most proud of, this might sound crazy and it's not necessarily just business. I'm proud of my relationship with my children uh, and I'm proud of the humans they've become because I think it's really hard to do this and have a family. Mm -hmm. And I have had to make that choice over and over again of how to prioritize mothering and small business because they're very hard to put together. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm most proud because you don't get a do-over with your kids, right? So I'm most proud of the fact that they are who they are and that I feel like our relationship is what I would have wanted it to be. It's not perfect, obviously, but it's good. And, you know, it's really good. And I just think they're amazing. So I put that in the forefront. That's I'm most proud of that. As far as Mad Gabs goes, I'm, I guess I'm really proud of doing all this without any experience and sort of continually winging something <laughs> for almost 30 years and, and having a workplace that is a place people have so many people have contributed to the success of Mad Gabs, whether it's, you know, somebody who was reorganizing their kitchen and brought in a butcher block full of extra knives they had to somebody drawing something on a pad that became a package, you know, an illustration on a package. But it's been such a collaborative effort of so many people's talents that have come together. And for me, there's so much pride in that. And I get a lot of credit because it's, it's my company. But when I look at all the people that have come through here and we've worked together to solve so many problems and accomplish so much, that to me is such a satisfying feeling on the sort of superficial note when someone's far far away and they take a picture of products that they're in alaska or they're in you know um, utah and they say hey i saw your stuff in the store we bought a bunch for people to bring home and sweet that's really yeah right yeah and having customers that have been with you for 20 plus years that's mm -hmm. pretty amazing that's great that is a great roster yeah. <laughs> that is a great roster yeah. and a lot to be proud of especially i liked your starter you know as a mom myself i know that is a tough balance and if you can walk away feeling you know what i think i 
came as close as I could to nailing this, uh, that's a win. That's yeah. a total win. Yeah. Total agreed. win. I had fun reading about your history and your background <laughs> in business. And that was pretty cool too, to, to know more about the other side of you. I know you as, you know, the awesome creature <laughs> people, but, um, it was great to learn a little bit about, about where you come from. Not surprisingly. Very yeah. well, well, thanks. Um, well, let's switch from the, you know, from those jewel moments, uh, sometimes rare as they are. Uh, what is the hardest part of the business? What are you, what's your current challenge? There's always, there's always something. Yeah, there is. And I think right now it's the brand awareness mm -hmm. piece. As we've gone, you know, we still have a huge army of amazing independents whom we love. They know their business. They know how to merchandise and market. And they're so good at creating stores that people love to be in. And now we're also on a track where we're in bigger, more conventional stores where we're the teeny tiny company that's sitting going in and sitting next to nationally known household mm -hmm. names. So our biggest challenge right now is finding ways to let people know who we are and why our products are great and what's lovely about the company that they want to support in a meaningful way on a very limited mm -hmm. budget. So that's definitely priority number one and biggest like Herculean task that's on our, on our plate every day. So we're trying to find creative ways to do that and to get the Mad Gab's message out there. The other thing that's really hard that we're juggling is we, because we have this MG line and the Mad Gab's people don't always connect mm. them. So we're trying to really explain our family of brands, if you will, and who they're each for and make sure that we communicate those messages in a way that's meaningful mm -hmm. to people. Um, so they say CMG and say, ah, that's the Mad Gab's, you know, mom yeah. line and the Mad Gab's mooses for kids or something to that effect to simplify that message. So those are two two pretty good challenges mm -hmm. on deck right Great. now. And I know after 28 years, there are plenty of moments of perceived failure, whether they're failure or not. Can you share one or two of those and uh, something you learned for it, a story about a failure moment? Oh, so many failures to pick from. Well, I think the, the biggest failure that resonates over the course of, you know, these three decades is in 2004, we had landed in a place where we had a lip balm product, the elephant lube, we had a body oil and a candle, but nothing looked related. Mm -hmm. And so we went to a brand marketing firm to clean up the brand. And I was pregnant with my second child. So I had a lot mm -hmm. going on, you know, physically, and I was tired, but we sought counsel. We spent, we borrowed money that we didn't have to do this exercise, which was very formal, very by the book. And I'm sure it's a very good exercise for a lot of companies for us, we were rebranded and we relaunched into, we did this in 2003, 2004, we relaunched right around the same time I had my child and it was the biggest bomb. Everyone was like, nope, we're not buying Ooh. this. You know, we had to take huge returns back. People were writing us nasty letters daily saying, who, who are you? This isn't the brand I know Ooh. and love. You know, what are you thinking? So it, it took years to come back from that one. And what we did was I had told the brand firm, don't touch Moose Mooch. It's in its own field. You can fix everything else. So when we realized that that bombed so badly, we went to Moose and we built off the Moose and we ended up with bears and zoo animals. And that's how we got into the souvenir world where we stayed for about 12 years. So we turned lemons into lemonade, but it was very expensive and very disheartening to go through all of that. The other one that's that was really stand out was not long after in 2006, there was a fire above our space in the Dana Warp Mill in Westbrook. And we were, we had a half a million gallons of water <gasps> come through the ceiling and we lost everything. And it took us about two years to really catch back up because we had lost all of our computers and furniture and inventory. Like <sighs> every, it was a complete wash. 
So that was devastating. And it was, I mean, it literally brought me yeah. to my knees. It was so, so crippling. So that, it feels like we've had, we've had to start over so many times just by the nature of small business, which I'm sure so many people can mm -hmm. relate to. You know, you think you're going one way and then the floor comes out yeah. underneath you and you have to figure out how to regroup. So those are the two biggest events we've had to survive. And then, you know, there's always the packaging change that doesn't mm -hmm. work, a line that doesn't succeed. I think we're always continuing to fail in some way, but that's also how we yes. get better, if that, that makes oh, any sense. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Well, the more you can fail, you know, you've got those out of the way. <laughs> you know, Right, and it's spaghetti. I think of it as it's all spaghetti. You have to throw a lot of spaghetti against the wall. Some of it falls to the floor, the things that stick yeah. and run with. And you just have to make sure you're doing it in somewhat of a calculated way, so you're not throwing all the spaghetti at once and then yeah. you're not you know, putting yourself out of business. You can't put all your eggs in one basket for mm -hmm. sure. And we're always trying something new and, you know, we're trying to keep ourselves a little bit more on track and staying focused, mm -hmm. you know, which no. is not always easy. <laughs> no, not you know. while you're trying to push the envelope and you're trying to sustain what you, what's working now, but might not work two years from now and, and try to stay right. ahead of that curve. What do you wish someone had told you before you started? And I know you started early. <laughs> What do I wish someone had told me before I started? Gosh, I don't know. I feel like I did get a lot of counsel and I mm -hmm. definitely didn't listen to a lot of it, but mm -hmm. I stored it in the back of my brain. So a lot of it came back later mm -hmm. to me. Maybe just how amazing, how long it could go on. I guess mm -hmm. I, I, I'm shocked that I can still be doing this and I can still be learning so much and that I could grow up with my company. Mm -hmm. I would have never believed somebody if they told me that. Yeah. Um, I do. I wish someone had told me maybe to get a babysitter more when my kids were little mm -hmm. to get some more help because I really tried to do everything and I, I made it pretty hard for myself. Mm -hmm. I think I was very dedicated to like wearing the babies and having them at work and being there all the time. And a little bit of help could have gone a long way with that, or maybe like a house cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The basics. But, the ba yeah. <laughs> the ba yeah. Yeah. Just a little, a little support in those, those formative years. But, oh, you know what, though? Someone just told me something that was, I wish I had known 20 years ago, like literally a month ago. Mm -hmm. They said, pick an airline. Pick a hotel and pick a car for your brands and stick with them. The loyalty pays off. Even if you're not traveling a ton, it does make a difference. And I, as mm. I look at my little bits of miles everywhere and my car points that don't add up, I think, oh, that would have been nice to know, you know, a long time ago. So, and you know, another one, Stefa, that I just thought of is I think that evaluating trade shows, finding ways to quantify the, the things we do. Mm -hmm. If I had learned to do that earlier, I think that would have been really helpful because it's really sometimes hard to know in the moment to stop and what to really evaluate the successes on. But things like trade shows and marketing materials and, you know, efforts that you put money and effort into, they need to be quantified. And I think we forget to do that yeah. as small businesses because we're so busy onto the next thing mm -hmm. with all of our demands. But we need to really keep track of our trade show successes as what the tangible as well as the intangible, right? Yeah. There's so many of both. Yeah, but that's a that's that's definitely an important one. That is that's a great tip because you just don't know what actually works and what to do more of, right. what to do less, what you need to prune, uh, and right. and what's providing that return. Tell us yes. some other great tips that you've learned. Uh, what's your process for creating new offerings? How often are you coming out with new products? What's that development cycle like for you? Well, I wish it was more of a cycle. It feels a little bit. We were so reactive over the years to what people wanted mm -hmm. that we just, sure, we'll do that. Sure, we'll do that, which is how we ended up with, you know, 180 different animals. <laughs> it was, you know, of which we only kept about 20. So it shows you that we were, I, I aim to please a little too much sometimes. So we don't have as much of a process 
as we probably should. It's still, but I think that comes from my creative nature, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll say, I have a great idea. Yeah. We're going to try this, mm-hmm. you know, and then the crack, the cracked hands is a great example. Like we knew we needed an unscented hand bomb. Mm-hmm. So then we started playing with it and I drew it out for a designer who did some designs. And now we're like, great. Now we're just adding it to the mix. So I think in a perfect world, there is a system and, and there's a timing and there's a 12 month lead time. And, you know, we come up with a design and we expect to launch it 12 months later, mm-hmm. which would give you a time to start to think about when the next products need to be ready. So I think I'm still learning a lot about how to organize that process, mm-hmm. but I think it's really important to not to really, well, and this is what we've been working on now, our brand pillars, mm-hmm. like what are our three brand pillars? And if the decisions we make don't fall into one of them, then we need to really revisit them and we can shelf it for later. So we have created a sort of junk, not a junk pile, mm-hmm. but like a miscellaneous pile. And so all the ideas go into that and for products. And then when we start to say, okay, you know, we've got these guys coming to market. We need to start working on the next pipeline. Mm-hmm. Now we can start working on that for next year. So now we're looking at 2020 mm-hmm. and 2021 launches. So there's a little bit of foresight, but what we do with them once they're ready is a little bit still a little bit too chaotic, but you know, we do the best we can with what we have. I, I wish in a perfect world, we work 18 months out. We have two new products a year and one for each one for gift and one for the conventional markets. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a perfect organization of how it works. And every market is different yeah. right? because shows usually shows dictate when you need new things, people want new things at shows, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's a new package. Sometimes it's not a completely new product. It can be a new set. It can be a new display. It can be a new design. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a starting from scratch. And I think we, we've tried to reinvent ourselves so many times, sometimes necessarily and sometimes mm-hmm. not. So the more you can do to streamline, but also keeping things fresh is critical, yeah. right? Like I'm ready for a new trade show booth. So now I have to figure out, okay, what show do we want the new trade show booth to be mm-hmm. ready for? And then work backwards sure. from there. So sure. yeah, it's, I know that's sort of a, a long, no, crazy answer, that's... but it's, it's a long process. It is. And, and there's no perfect. There's something you can aspire to, but you know, it just, uh, it's just not out there. <laughs> you touched on this, uh, slightly, but for our listeners, can you describe brand pillar? Sure. So the brand pillars are, it's sort of akin to the unique selling mm-hmm. proposition. You know, what makes us different and what are, what are, what are we about? What are the three things we want people to know about MadGab? So, I didn't know that term until last summer, and it's become a really great guiding force. So for us, our brand pillars are the story of Mad Gab's, me, the background of sort of how I got into this, and the authentic founder Mm -hmm. story is what we call that one. And then there's actually the products and what they're made of and how they're formulated and how they work and what makes them different. And, you know, that's our offering leg. And I think of it like Mm -hmm. a stool, right? There's three legs. And then the third one is the Gab Girls program, which is basically our way of formalizing something we've been doing forever, which is working with young women and girls through mentorship, apprenticeship, education, and employment who want to learn about small business and entrepreneurship. So we do workshops throughout the year for local girls. We do mentorships, internships with colleges, with universities, with high schoolers who want to learn more. I learned all of this with an anthropology degree working. (laughs) So I know you can learn it if you want to, because people helped me. I mean, I remember showing up to a store and someone saying, well, can we get in at 30? And I said, well, I don't know. What is that? And they're like, we'd like to pay in 30 days. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. You know, and someone said, you should be buying your ingredients wholesale. There was a a co-op in Oakland I went to with my lip balm when I was 22. And they said, do you have a distributor? I said, I don't know. What is that? They said, it's someone who does what you're doing. And then they got on the phone and called theirs and then took me behind the counter and said, talk to this guy. He became my first distributor. We drove from that 
Oakland food store to the guy's warehouse two hours away that day on a Saturday afternoon with my cousins outside playing in the yard. And I went and looked at the warehouse and he was my first natural food distributor. But, and I only say that like everywhere I went, people educated me. So to me, knowing there's not very many business schools, there's not a lot of, not a lot of young people are interested in business Mm -hmm. because it's not really taught to them young, but you can bring them into the fold. So the Gab Girls program is our leg that you can tell I get really excited about it because it's, it's fun to work with kids and it's fun to see them. We did a, we did a create your own business plan uh, workshop where the girls created a virtual candle company and we walked all the way through a business plan with them. And that was so satisfying. And they left, you know, feeling like they did something. So for, so anyways, back to the brand pillars, we've got the Gab Girls, the products and the, and the company story. So if we're putting something out to the world, we want to make sure whatever it is fits in with one of those three brand pillars. They're our guiding Mm -hmm. light of clarity. Fantastic. Now, that's super helpful for people because typically businesses are growing organically. You really don't stop to think about, okay, what's our core and how is that evolving and how does that shift? So no, that's uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic advice. I do think that the the, one of the most powerful things in small business is the pause. Mm -hmm. And I think the power in the pause because it is so chaotic is mm-hmm. critical. Whatever, the, whenever you don't think you have time to stop is when you need to stop mm-hmm. the most and make sure you're calibrating and really being getting clear on what the priorities are and where the focus needs to be. I can't, I can't overstate that. So true. So, That's yep. so truth. <laughs> so truth. Uh, what else are you using for finding new buyers? You mentioned trade shows, distributors. Um, how? Uh, what's your marketing looking like these days? Um, we have a mix. We have um, some sales reps on the road. So we have different groups in different parts of the country that sell the sell our line to their stores, which is, and those kind of, some we've had for 20 years, we've had the same rep in Alaska for 20 years, and they're <laughs> amazing. But we have a new group in the Rocky Mountain states. And so they're out seeing um, customers that are, some are new and some are old to us. So the sales reps are one channel. Trade shows are another. Um, some of the reps do shows, some of the shows we do. And then we have our broker arm where in the conventional world, I go to headquarters of large buying offices for stores and I meet with a buyer who then approves the product ideally. And then they put them Mm -hmm. in the stores and then it becomes marketing after the fact using social media and other marketing tools. So it's a mix. And some of it, quite honestly, is if I see something cool in a store and I grab a business card and then I send them a note with a package and say, hey, our products would be great Mm -hmm. in your store. So there's a mix of the grassroots and then like flying somewhere for a half an hour. You know, there's, we went to Lincolnville General Store last week, which was amazing. And I literally was like, these, these people are great. And they I introduced myself. They were like, we need your product. So I like to think that we try to leave no stone unturned within reason, but I'm also not super pushy and we don't Mm -hmm. belong everywhere. So I want to make sure it's the right fit, but we have like our army of mad gabbers. And then we also have, you know, the formal um, Atlanta mm-hmm. gift and New York gift. And, and of course the, the Portland show. And now we're going awesome. to the Boxboro show. Yay. Very uh, what is a healthy habit that's important for you, Gabrielle? You gotta, it's a long marathon. Eating. It totally is. And uh, you know, self-care is a hundred percent critical every single day. And for me, it's sleeping well, eating well. I, lo- I never miss a meal or a snack as everyone mm-hmm. who knows me knows and um, making sure I stop. I like to be physical, whether it's yoga or walking or um, you know, working out, I definitely feel like that airplane um, idea of when the oxygen mm-hmm. mask falls, you know, you have to take care of yourself before you can help anybody else. So I know that between my kids and my crew here, people are relying on me. So I need to, if I can't do it for myself, I have to do mm-hmm. it for everybody around me. And I, I love that line. Your body doesn't just belong to you. It belongs to those uh, who love you. So I feel really. That is lovely. Well, I think it's 
it's a lovely quote and it's a good way to get people to go to the doctor <laughs> they don't want to go to but um anyway i do think it's critical and and you know i feel like it's we, we sit down and have lunch often here at Mad Gab's and we have great lunches and we share all of our foods and salads and soups and whatever. And I am a firm believer in, in taking care of, of yourself because it is a huge marathon. And those things, stopping and having a meal is good for the soul. It's good for your body. It's good for your mind. And then everybody connects and goes back to work. So I'm a really big believer in humans being mm -hmm. complete people at work and coming in. And if you've had a horrible day, a horrible morning, tell us about it. Let's spend 15 minutes. Let's we'll lift. We'll help you out. We'll give you insight hugs, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Okay. When we're done, take a breath and then everybody go to work because, you know, if we can all take care of each other as people, we all win way more than if it's oh, just yeah. about the work. You know? Yeah. That's uh Great, great advice. What is, and I know this will be hard to distill into the biggest lesson or singular, uh, but what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned in running the business? The biggest lesson I've learned. Hmm. I yeah. know that's a tricky There's one. So many. Um, I think it's mm -hmm. to trust myself. I think I went through, I think I started out trusting myself and my gut. Uh, as an improviser and then I went through years particularly when my kids were little a sort of doubting if I really should be doing mm -hmm. this that whole imposter idea of oh my god they're going to find me out that I don't yeah. really know what I'm doing and I think I've learned that it's okay to not know what you're doing it doesn't mean you're a fake yeah. it just means you're winging it and for me I think trusting that and trusting my gut I think I ask for less opinions now and I trust mm -hmm. I'm like that looks good I, I'm going to go with it. I'm not going to ask 10 people what they think. So I think um, that lesson to trust myself is something that's helped that's grown mm -hmm. with age over time. And, you know, I, I really believe in asking for, for help and counsel. I'm mm -hmm. a big believer in that. And I, even though I can improvise and feel good about my gut, there are times when many times when I need input from people and having a framework mm -hmm. of counselors, you know, that I can go to always having people in different fields and I think an advisory board, even an informal one that meets, you know, once or twice a year, people on board to go to, there is not a problem that I don't feel like I have somebody mm -hmm. to call for ever. That never, ever happens. And I'm, and I'm, and I feel like I've cultivated a nice group of people who want to help. And mm -hmm. as humans, we love to help each other. So I don't mind asking for help because I love to help people. And I know people like to help me. And yeah. it's just a ladder. You know, there's some people that know way more and their businesses are bigger and there's people just starting, which is why I've started working with small businesses and budding entrepreneurs because <laughs> it's so exciting. And it's, I, I feel like I'm a great cheerleader and I've lived through so much and I can help them, you know, figure out if it's going to work or not. So I think that having those people, whoever they are, but no matter who you are, there shouldn't be a vacuum. We should all seek counsel on a regular basis for sure. That was some of the best advice I ever got was to you get You know, advice. I heard... I. Uh, I'm interested that you use the word counsel. I heard a, a, a saying at one point that said, make sure you take in all the counsel you can, but don't take advice because counsel is you evaluating that versus just taking in somebody's advice. So I thought mm. that was a really interesting nuance of great, take in all that feedback, but you really have to make that decision with your gut based on the counsel that you're receiving, but you ultimately have to do what's you. So it was. Yep. And I, I like that distinction between those. That's such. And it's funny because my answer to your question was <laughs> trusting myself and seeking counsel. So somewhere in the middle is is yeah. where they get they come together. But I mean, nothing. Artists can make beautiful mm -hmm. things. I don't think they need to, you know, get insight on their creation, yeah. but of what to do with it. You know, maybe that's the different piece. Mm hmm. 
Gabrielle, tell me what projects are on your front burner. Uh, are there any passion products, projects rather, that you've got going on right now or special relationships that uh, have been significant for you in the business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's always so much going on. And in my, my personal life, I'm a writer. I love to to, to write and I just started doing storytelling. So that's been really fun to spend a little bit of um, creative energy on that. And I find the more creative I am, the more my business thrives because I think it gives me an outlet for something I care about. And so there's that. And there's also, I've always sort of talked to small businesses or people starting up or hoping to grow. And now I formalize that into, I'm consulting with small, you know, startups and small businesses. And it's been really exciting to see what people are working on, where their challenges are. And and, and selfishly, it's fun to see all the information you have in your head that you don't really know how useful it is until somebody else can use it. So it's exciting and fun. And it's, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good flag waver and I really do enjoy these watching folks succeed and seeing the power of a mirror because a lot of it is just yeah. you know, sort of listening and then, and, and it's part therapy too. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of emotional stuff that's, that comes along with being self-employed and being a small business owner. And if I've, I've done it, you know, in my teens and twenties and thirties and forties, and I feel like I can relate to a lot of the situations and challenges. So that's been really, really rewarding. And as far as relationships go, you know, it is, it is fun. I mentioned earlier, having customers for decades is always the biggest affirmation that you're on the right path. You're doing the right things. If people stick with you that long. And I think this year is either 22 or 23 years that we've worked with LL Bean doing private label for, for their body care products. And we started in the stores as a Mad Gab's product. And around 2008, we switched over to what they call white label and they wanted Mm -hmm. to use the products as um, branding opportunities for them. So we've been working with them and they're just such an amazing company to work with. They're this huge main company and we're this small main company, but they really do. It's just an amazing relationship and it's had so many iterations over the years. And, you know, I've been around longer than some of the folks I work with there. So it's, it's <laughs> kind of cool to, to be in the spot and to be down the road when we have a shipping yeah. issue and I can run up to the warehouse and meet with somebody and come back to work. And so it's mm-hmm. very close and, and it's been really, really great to see the products in the stores and people enjoying them for, for decades now. So those two things I think are definitely good, good, good highlights. That's fantastic. Are there any other tips or resources that you might share with your uh, with other makers or artisans or manufacturers that have been helpful for you or what's on your bookshelf or online? Oh, so many. Okay, so SCORE, I think, is an amazing organization, and it's free small business council. And I have yet to send somebody there who doesn't come back so excited with all the, oper- the, all the references and resources that they have. Coastal Enterprises, they were my first lender, but they have more than just loans. They have so many resources for small businesses in Maine, and I don't think enough people know about them. The Island Institute I just learned about, and I'm learning more and more about the work they do to support small businesses and artists and makers in the Midcoast. I think they do amazing work. It's funny you say books. I don't, I haven't read a lot of business books. Most of my reading is for pleasure and not about business. So I can't really speak much to that, mm-hmm. but there's so many resources in Maine that I feel like are there for small businesses that exist solely to help small businesses. So I also just learned about new ventures, which I think is based mm-hmm. out of Portland and the, the work they do with new ventures, you know, is, is great. And that startup week in Portland has been mm-hmm. really, really great to go to all the conferences and speakers and Greenlight Maine is mm-hmm. an amazing uh, I don't know if it's an organization, but it's a show. And I think yeah. that is a really great way to hone your pitch, to understand it really pushes the envelope, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, our own version of Shark Tank. I think it's super cool, mm-hmm. uh, the work that they do as well. So, yeah, Maine is just a fountain of amazing people and 
organizations and institutions to help small business. And most of the state, I think, you know, this is made up of small businesses. So there's a lot here for us. Nobody should want for anything in Maine. No, there's a terrific community. And I think the challenge for some is just finding what that community is and, and tapping into it. I will definitely list those in the show notes for anybody that's interested in, in checking out any of those. As we're wrapping it up, Gabrielle, what, what keeps you inspired, motivated when the going gets hard? Oh, so many things. I would have to say it's a mix of the people that I show up to work with every day who are, you know, they're amazing. They 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 roll up their sleeves. They're here every day to share the bits and pieces for better or for worse. And they definitely keep me coming back. And I think just knowing that we when you get those notes, we got a note from a woman this week who has been using our vanilla moose mooch. And she has a condition on her lips that's precancerous where she's had to go through almost a chemotherapy and nothing has oh. been, she can't tolerate anything on her lips except our mm-hmm. vanilla moose mooch, which she was having a hard time finding. And she was, and just the fact that she st- shared her story and she was, you know, and she needed it that much. And it was that mm-hmm. effective on her, con- but nothing really that'll, that makes your month, you yeah. know, you just, so you, you end up connecting with people in pretty intimate ways, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's psoriasis on someone's foot or eczema or their babies have diaper rash, you, we become part of people's lives and mm-hmm. the relationships that we have with our retailers, our reps, our consumers, our employees, our former employees. So I guess in one word, it's relationships mm-hmm. and it's all the relationships that we've built over the last almost three decades. And without them, we aren't anything in our lives or as a business. To me, I really do define myself by the power of the relationships that yeah. you know have been created through the vehicle of MadGab. So it's, yeah. it's a pretty cool thing. There's quite a bit of riches there, I would say, Gabrielle, in those relationships. You've got some Definitely. cultivation that you've done over the years that from all your sharing and that has provided just an amazing community around a product and an idea. So that's uh, hats off to you. Finally, before you. Uh, I close it up, what's your best advice to other artisans, wherever they are on their journey? It's sort of cliche, but I think it's get organized before you start, if you can, because <laughs> you don't paint you don't paint your nursery holding your newborn. You try to get those things done ahead of time. So as much as you can do before you open will pay itself back in dividends, says she who did not and wishes <laughs> she had. Um, I think that's really that if, and if you've already started, if you could take those pauses to really figure mm-hmm. out where you are and where you want to be and the steps in between those, those powerful pauses, I think are powerful pauses are priceless. How that for alliteration? That's great. Um, but I really do. I really do believe in them. So <laughs> as somebody who had to learn how to do both of those things, I wish I could learn that for other people as well. That's a great way to close. Gabrielle, thank you so much for taking the time and just sharing the wealth of knowledge. I, as I mentioned before, I think the reason why you have such a powerful community is that you are so willing to share and such a giver and people want to um, want to respond in kind. So thank you for sharing that with us today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thanks for the opportunity for the conversation stuff. It's been awesome. Visit artisanswholesale.com for show notes with resources and links that help you work smarter, earn more, and live better.